It is time for the Jason E. Jones podcast, wherever you are, whenever you are, whoever you are. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Check out all the episodes. Obviously, you are checking them out. We're really doing real well on Spotify, Apple, Google, Audio, Amazon. Check out all the episodes, interviews with coaches, all kinds of stuff. Today, we are starting a show called... 30 for Tennessee, and it is about Charlie Garner. We're going to talk about this week's Tennessee football game. On this show, we're going to talk about, we're going to follow up the interview I did last week with him down the road. We're going to follow up more and more on his career. We're going to talk about Tennessee football again, as I was saying. We're going to go over the game, talk about a perspective from a running back's perspective. We're going to talk about Tennessee and what's going on with them and just some different takes on a, uh, a VFL legend, Charlie Garner. Hey, Charlie, welcome to your show. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate this, man. And it's going to be dynamite. I look forward to answering a lot of questions and, and being insightful as, as much as I can. Absolutely. Charlie, we'll get right to it. Tennessee was taking on Alabama, number six versus number three. Tennessee hadn't beat Alabama, and it seemed like since you'd been there. <laughs> it had been... We didn't either. We tied. Man, I'm telling you. Uh, well, yeah, you tied, but let me tell you something. It, it hadn't even been close. Probably the average margin of defeat by Tennessee to, to Bama was probably somewhere around 30 points, I would say. I mean, it, it was a dynamite atmosphere, and I was looking at the pictures you were posting, and I could just feel, I could just feel the energy in the in the, in the building and, and, and around the, the campus, and I was just looking forward to that game, just like everyone else was. It, it is so, such a special place, is it not? Oh, it's a, it's a dynamite place. It's a unique place, and it's a place that makes you want to just, you know. Do your best for everyone that shows up because you know you understand that they had to wait in the line and and it's <clears throat> but it's, it's it's a beautiful thing and it's always patriotism towards orange and, and, and everyone's coming together for for a beautiful time and they want to see us dominate and that's what you know we did for sixty minutes and that's what we look like and I look forward to the fans enjoying the rest of this season. Before we get into the game, kind of give people an idea what it's like for former Tennessee players. Like you said in the interview we did just last week, you were talking about how you would wear your Tennessee stuff out on a practice field in the NFL. What? Well, it's just, it's just, it's just a pride thing, and because I, I I've been wearing it, and it, it was just feeling, it just makes me feel like home. I mean, it's just, it's just a comfortability that I had, and it's just, and I knew, and I knew without Tennessee, I wouldn't have been where I was, so I was just paying homage to that, and, and, and that the fans, and they, they, they energized me, and they pushed me, because I was getting their fan mail as well, and I was reading that, and signing cards, and sending those back, and I was and wishy wells, and get, get better, and get healthy when I was hurt, so I mean, it, it's just, it's always been a connection there, and I didn't want to lose that. Well, I definitely don't think you're losing it. Let's get right to it. Give me an idea, and it has been it has been a while since since you played at Tennessee. But give people an idea again 
Let's focus on game day versus Alabama at home. Even the what's when you played at home against Alabama, it was probably was that ninety two. Yes, it was ninety two. Was that that was no ninety three? It was ninety three. Was it ninth? Okay, so ninety three we played in Birmingham. So. Uh was it 93? It, yeah. It was so, 92 yeah. They won a national. They won a national. What year did they win a national? Uh, that was 93. They won a national in 93, so it was 92. Well, hold on. Let me look here. Hold on. Let me think. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Jeopardy music. No, it was 92. <laughs> Bama won a national championship in 92. Florida State won in 93 with Charlie Ward. Okay, so that was the year. Okay, we played... In '93, we went down. We went down there. '92, yes. they came to you. So, right. Right. even back in those days, Tennessee was obviously in a different uh, frame of mind. It was, although look at where we're at right now this year. Obviously, six and zero. Just. I mean, just incredible how well we're playing. But at that time, you're there in 92 at home. Tennessee is just three years away or two years off of back-to-back SEC championships. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the mentality was still win, win, win. That was the perception. That was the mentality. And that's the way we were coached. And that's what we believed. And that's what we believed we should have achieved. So anything other than that was a failure. What did you and we, and we looked at, and we looked at each other in the face and took that responsibility on. What did you what did you hear about the third Saturday in October being from Virginia and spending two years out in Scottsdale, Arizona at Scottsdale Community College? Well, everyone wanted to win the ball game. It, they they are we, we, we knew that it ran through them. I, like I said, I was recruited by both. And I took my visit to Alabama, so I understood it from both perspectives, and I was getting their side of it as well as when I got to Tennessee, I got their side of it. So it's, it, it is a coaching point, and it is a, a, a recruiting point, and it comes up on both sides, mm-hmm. both sides. So, I mean, I definitely wanted to do my thing against them because I turned down their scholarship for the scholarship that I wanted to be with. I wanted to be part of Tennessee, and that's yeah. what I was. So right. absolutely I wanted to go against them, and it was huge. It was huge for everyone in the state. And it, it was just a different It was just a different environment when, when they were spoken about. Now, when you're running through that T against anybody, but especially Alabama or Florida back in those days, but we'll go with Alabama. You're running through that tee. You can hear Rocky Top. And the fact is that people get the perspective of what it's like in the stands. Very few people can say, hey, I ran through the tee. I was part of the game. I, I was doing this and doing that. I had a buddy of mine that played at Middle Tennessee State University when I was there at MTSU and one and he talked about in 02, they played Tennessee, I want to say in 02, or it might have been 03. And he said, you get in there, and he said, it is absolutely insane how loud it is, how wild it is, just the, just the level of noise. You can't even think out there. 
No, no. And I feel and I feel exactly what he felt because I had never gone to a game. So my first game at home was my first game period experiencing it. Mm-hmm. So that's what I was like, you know, I'm trying to, you know, make a play or two, but I'm I'm amazed at what's really going on and what I'm partaking in and what I've signed up to be a part of. So it was it was, it, it can be breathtaking at the same time. I just wanted to be I just it was electrifying and I wanted to just I wanted to be a part of it. I wanted them to be cheering for me as well. Yeah. Because I, I'm doing dynamite out there. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's, 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 it, it can be overwhelming for the opposition. And that's what that's what we bring to the table as well. And running through that tee, what is that? What's that experience like? It's. it's you, you, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if any men could have described it, but it's, it's, it's for the first time or the last time. It's breathtaking, and, and, and which when when it's opening up and you're just running through it and you feel the magnitude and the crowd starts roaring and you know it's about to be football time in Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 an amazing feeling, which no 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 other can really experience unless you run it through the tee or you or even if you're a part of opening the tee up or, or running with smoke as well, they can tell you as well. It's, it's just electrifying. It really and we is. We all feel that, and we all feel that magnitude, and, and it just want to brings it just brings that that hundred thousand to their feet, and we just want to be electrifying for them. We're talking with Charlie Garner. This is thirty for Tennessee. This is Charlie Garner's show now on my podcast, sponsored by Century Fire Protection, Adam Kruskowskis, 423-899-7434 for all your fire protection needs. Charlie, you get you get out there, you're on the sidelines. How how important is it to understand how to keep keep your composure and not get too excited and understand that you've got a job to do? Well, once you get hit, it's a football game. But prior to that, that's your preparation. And you just go from that perspective. You're already prepared for what you understand is going to be. You know the calls. You've worked hard. You know the detail. You know the work you have to put in. You know the coverage you're going to see. So all you have to do is go out there and play the game and not overplay the game and, and just be your best that day. Charlie, let's get into Tennessee again, number six in the country, Alabama number three at the time in the country. Tennessee coming into the game undefeated, coming off of wins at LSU, at home versus Florida, on the road versus Pittsburgh. I mean, doing things that Tennessee hasn't done in decades. In decades. And, and, and it's, it's pretty, it's the brand The brand is solid. It's looking great again. And I'm getting calls from all over the country right now. Everyone's excited for what we're doing. And they're just wishing me and congratulating me, especially on the big win, because they know how, they know how deeply I follow Tennessee. They know how I feel about Tennessee. They oh, know yeah. the pain. They know the pain I feel when, when, when Alabama runs through us or Georgia beat us the way they have because the, I know the product we, we, we put on the field when I was there and, and, and how deeply the fans feel about what, what we are able to do when we're able to do it. So I'm glad we're able to start doing what we used to do. Now, Tennessee again, Charlie. Tennessee goes into the game, again, undefeated. We're 5-0 and at the time. You beat in Florida. You beat LSU. You beat Pittsburgh in overtime. You've won four 
Well, at the time, we'd won three top 25 games. I mean, just beyond excitement. I was in the stadium against Florida a few weeks ago. I thought that was the greatest experience. I was at a bar down on down on Cumberland. For those who aren't aware, Cumberland is the strip of the University of Tennessee. I'm I've got that place turned upside down. People are oh, cheering. Wow. We're having we're having fun doing this and that. Um, it 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 starts off. Tennessee takes a. We'll get right to it. Tennessee just comes out of the gate. We end up taking a twenty-eight to ten lead on on Alabama in the first half. Are you kidding me? Uh, uh, very unexpected, but not unpredicted. If, if I watched Texas move the ball on them, so I was certain that we could. I was just wondering how how my defense would hold up, and my defense was fighting so hard for me all day. Mm-hmm. Being very competitive, being very physical at the point of attack, and the same way with my offensive line, and, and I, I just felt I just felt as though that we we, we were going to be dominant all day. And, I mean, we got laxed for a second. We had a few plays where we took a, you know a little mind a mind block, but at the same time we refocused and, and energized when we needed to, and, and capitalized off everything we should have. And, and I felt I felt confident the whole day. It's kind of interesting to me that in the game, Alabama, for the first time that I can remember, did not, maybe it's been that way the past couple of times, but really stuck, stuck out this time. Alabama did not run the ball hardly at all. Well, I didn't think they would would be able against us anyway. I mean, we have a pretty stout defense. We really they, do. They haven't, they, haven't, they haven't really been running the ball. I, when I watched that against Texas as well, Texas was able to run the ball against them. And they, weren't every, they, they, they really passed the ball against Texas in order to get back into the game and make plays. So I, I just felt as though that's what they would come out doing since he was coming back healthy. But we were able to, you know, make plays up front and put pressure on him and, and make some plays on the back end. And our, our defensive scheme and, and what we were able to put out there was, was pretty respectable. And I, I look forward to what we, we got coming up for Kentucky as well. I don't want to skip Tennessee one, but at the same time, you don't want to like take Kentucky for granted. Right. No, absolutely. Jalen Wright and Jabari Small have really been doing a great job. As far as running backs go, they've really been really carrying the load. Ended up with 182 yards. How how important is that for for a running back to really get started and get going? I mean, we're we're averaging. I don't have the season stats right now, but we're averaging. It's got to be well over four, close to five yards a carry right now. Oh, it, it, it looks very efficient and it's downhill and it's very effective we're making decisive cuts and breaking tackles which is pretty impressive and that's what you know that's what the backs from Tennessee are able to do and used to do and that's the product we used to put out there and I'm, I'm proud of those guys and the running back coach is doing a great job as well having those guys blocking when 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 we pull the RPO out of there because that's that's a little difficult a little difficult thing to see if you see an edge blitzer and you try to, you know, if, if you have to abort the, the fake and, and pick up that block in order to make something succeed. And, and those guys are able to do that. And, and that's what I've been watching too. That's why I'm anxious. I want to get down there and, and, and ask a couple of few questions about that offense. Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. I really absolutely. And I've got to ask you, 
as a running back, now back in the day, you ran more out of the I formation. Is that correct? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We still would go single back. Uh, once, we, once we got to the pros, we would do a little more single back or, or offset single back. But no, for predominantly, I, I, I prefer the I would, I would prefer the uh, I back situation because I mean that's that <laughs> pretty much you're gonna run the ball. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah, that's or you're gonna give it a great fake and it's gonna open up the pass. Yeah, that too. We 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 knew we knew we could do that as well and. and but at the same time, I really much prefer I prefer a rainy day in an eye formation. <laughs> okay, can you give people an idea when of all the big runs that you've had at Tennessee and in your career, mainly in college, kind of focusing on college here? Well, when, when did you know? What you mean? I don't understand the question. A, a big run. Well, I'm saying is, I was run for a first down. No, no, no. I'm talking about. I'm talking about those big gappers. I'm talking about taking it sixty something yards, um, fifty, sixty something yards. I was going to ask you is in, in a game like like Tennessee versus Alabama, and it's such a competitive environment. You got the best against the best, and we're right now playing amazing football. My question to you was, when do you when do you know that that big play is going to happen? Right when you're you're handed the ball, you see the blocking scheme, you can watch the linebacker. Can you kind of give people an insight and an idea of when you take the handoff? Like when do you know that you this could be a big play? Oh, you know, absolutely. You know, right away. Quarterback, the offensive line, everyone knows. The receivers. I mean, you, you, the defense is called, and you have an offensive play called, and if it's a run offensive play, and it's a run block offensive play, then you have the, a certain amount of players in the box, in which you call the box. Yeah. And that's, that's the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And we, you already know that once you, if, if it's a, a guard blocked or a guard unblocked, where that play should go. And nine times out of ten, they're going to go to the unblocked guard, and that's called the bubble. So that that's the isolation block. They're going to single up on that on that nose guard and iso to that linebacker. Then that leaves you one-on-one with the safety, and you make him miss you gone. So you, you already know. You see, you can predict it. You just, you're just trying to understand which move you're going to hit the safety with and be gone. Yeah. That's, so- that's, that's my perspective. That's how I used to see it. Sounds like chess to me. Like you, I can beat you in three moves. Well, that's why they call it home run hitters, and that's what I was trying to be. No, so. I know that's what you yeah, were. Yeah, you were yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, but that's why I love Heath Shooter for the play he called. I mean, it was. I still remember it was seven slant. I told you it was audible. He, he ran to the bubble side. You can look at it right now. We we isolated up, and I just knew what move I had to make, and I went down the sideline. <laughs> That is, that is beautiful. That is beautiful. Charlie, so let's let's talk about so Tennessee again up twenty eight to ten, moving along here. Hinden Hooker looks great. Uh, finished up the game with five touchdowns. The one interception that he threw, and I'm 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 bouncing around a little bit here, but we all know what the end result was. Even when Hendon throws a pick. He throws picks generally to where it's down on the ground and there's no chance of, of returning it. I mean, I, I think he's a polished quarterback who's the country's finally getting a chance to see the real 
him as a, as a throwing quarterback as well as a, a running quarterback and a mindful quarterback for the decisions he's making out there on the field, which mm-hmm. are polished decisions. And it's taking coaching points and it's reading the defenses and understanding what they're trying to do to us from a from a defensive perspective. And, and he's qualified to see and make every throw out there. So I, I, I'm just I'm just proud of his production and what he's able to overcome after leaving Virginia Tech, which is you know my home state. I just I just mm, 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 he's been he's been a quality man and and, and the hug he he gave his mother at the end of that oh that's beautiful Uh, man that hug was incredible and that conversation they had was probably priceless man and and it was between those two exactly between those two. Hey, absolutely. I wish I could hug my mother again and have a good time at Tennessee the same way we did because we had those moments at Tennessee, and I was glad he got to have one. Charlie, I couldn't agree with you more. I I have to ask, we've seen some, sometimes with, with younger running backs, we've seen some breakdown in blocking protection. How important is it for a running back to understand uh, the blocking, the protection, the everything that goes into protecting the quarterback. Well, well it, it, it absolutely keep you off the football field, or to make you one dimensional from an aspect of being used by the offensive coordinator, which you don't really want to become. So I, that's why I try to stress that uh, the importance of being knowledgeable about the fronts you're seeing and, and your protection, whether you have to get front side or border block, I mean, a border run to get to a block, like I was saying, and so, uh, or shorten off your route or make the route a hot route or if you're seeing a hot route and listen to the, 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 the audibles and being able to just adjust on the fly. Because mm-hmm. you've been coached up and you know what you're seeing and you know your play call. So I, it's just about being repetitious and, and being, I mean, a student of the game. Tennessee goes down, down the field um, at the end. I want to say, oh, I'm trying to find myself here. Okay, so we, we're, let's, let's get to this. So we're up, we're up. Moving along here, we're up 34-28. Uh, we missed the extra point, which I've got to ask you, and I know as big a Tennessee fan and a VFL and a former player as you are, isn't it amazing that, that what, 18 years ago that James Wilhoy had missed not – he missed his extra point like within five minutes. Wow. Yeah, he brought up that man. Yeah, oh, I did. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, man. That's awesome. I mean, but yeah, man. Because but I had Beckford. Yeah, I had Beckford kicking yeah. for me. So from Chattanooga, when I, Tennessee. When I got a when I got a uh, penalty for excessive celebrating in the end zone against Georgia on ESPN, you know, Phil was looking at me crazy. I I, I got the first flag. <laughs> in SEC history, man, Phil was mad. I mean, I don't know where Beckford was kicking from. It was like a 35-yard field goal yeah. for extra yeah. play or something back then. And he, he knocked it through, and I, I was like, yeah, thanks, Beck. You got me out of that one. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, yeah, man, well, I feel sorry for that, man, moment. But, no, nah, it was I, – I, I felt as though we were still going to be able to make a play or two down the end, and, and we were able to. Well, McGrath misses that extra point, and then he gets to redeem himself in James Hoyt, Will Hoyt. And in all fairness to James Will Hoyt, and I've talked to many people that were at that ball game the other night, there has never been 
a game, even the 98 game, there's never been a game that that meant that much and it had that level of passion and excitement attached to it. That's that's my opinion and a lot of people's opinion. Hey, well, you know, I don't I don't I don't know because I, I mean because you're living in the moment. But that moment right there at that time was probably the heightened moment to someone who was there, like yeah. yourself or someone who was already there. Yeah. This experience right there for each other, those two, being able to, you know, go through that moment in their head and make a, try to make a play for the University of Tennessee, it's a big moment. It's a lot of pressure, especially being at home, in front of your home crowd. But at the same time, it should be a comfort zone to those guys going out there, knowing that you're at home and you got everybody's support. Now, Bama comes back. They come back and they take a, oh, let's see here, 49-42 lead after we had a mishandle on the exchange. Give people an idea on on how how that went. It looked like Hooker, it, it, they, they had a misunderstanding, obviously. He goes to hold the ball. The running back goes to, to take it. And they they will give people an idea of how how easy that is to to make that play. Uh, especially it's easy right now with these guys running the RPO as they do mm-hmm. because you know the quarterback's making the decision. He's reading that defensive end or that that linebacker or even that safety is if he's going to hand the ball off, he's going to keep it or, or pull it out and, and, and make a pass. So it, it takes a lot of repetition, and those guys practice that every day. And it was unfortunate that it happened the way it did, especially being backed up and what it cost us. But we were still able to make a play when it was when it was time for us to make a play. And fortunately, we had enough time to go down there and do that. But, I mean, I, we, we, we don't want that to happen or, or, or any circumstance, but we were able to bounce back. And you know, I know those guys are still working and being repetitious about, you know, their ball handling skills. Bama gets that, and a lot of people across the country are going, oh, here we go. Uh, here we go. And, you know, the great thing is that we're fans and people on the outside, that even people that are a VFL aren't on the field. They're not – they're not with the team. They're not actively on the team. They're they're not understanding the fact that, and Josh Heupel said it, he goes, my guys came back t- to the sidelines. They said, hey, we're going to hand we're, – we're, we're good. We're fine. We're, we're going to be fine. And the fact that they were able to keep their composure when – Charlie, how many, how many teams and players would not have been able to come back from that, from that huge turnover with seven minutes to go in the game? Oh, you gotta understand, those guys were confident guys at the time. They've been moving the ball all day, scoring points all day. Why yep. would you be confident about being able to get the ball back and moving it on that defense? Because they've done it all day. Yeah. All you need was the opportunity to get back on the field. And when you're offense with confidence the way they are and the way they are, because I remember being out there with he shoot. All we need to do is get on the field. Yeah. We didn't care what we okay, all we need to do is go back on the field. We didn't feel that you could stop us. And I don't feel that they think anyone can stop them. Yeah. All they just need to do is an opportunity to get on the field and, and, and with some time on the clock. And they proved that. They just now I mean, as a as a as a unit, we just need to keep it clean, especially team wise. We need to play clean ball from here on out, all three phases of the game. And Jalen Hyatt now is I saw <laughs> In today's internet world and social media world, you see so many things. 
I saw Man, where I saw where a baby is going to be named Josh Heupel, or sorry, Josh uh, Hyatt Hooker or something like that. Uh, no. it, I mean, it's a joke, of course, but the fact is that how many people now look at Jalen Hyatt in such a different way? The fact that the young man from South Carolina scores five touchdowns and ties an SEC record for five touchdowns in a game. I mean, it's it's incredible what he has done for the future of people remembering who he is. He's right there with Billy Ratliff now. I mean, and in, in maybe in a, in a greater sense, um, five touchdowns. But no, Billy, the fumble recovery against Arkansas, how many people – there's been so many big time players that's come through Tennessee. Stanley Morgan, uh, Johnny Jones, um, on and on and on. But if you remember the stumble and fumble, you'll remember Billy Ratliff recovering, recovering the fumble against Arkansas. Uh, that, <laughs> yeah, that level of just putting yourself above, I mean, just being remembered forever. Five touchdowns against Alabama is just. Tim Priest had three t- interceptions against Bama in s- in the seventies, but I mean, wow, Charlie, for for this guy to go out there and, and do what he did is incredible. Oh, it was a phenomenal performance, and I, I and I give you know him a lot of credit for being able to use hands on all those catches. Man, yeah. I was incredibly. I mean, he, he's a skilled receiver, and it was unfortunate that, you know, Cedric had to go down in order for him to show his talents. Yeah. But at the same time, it's a brilliant thing that he's able to take advantage of his opportunity, and that's what, you know, God blessed us with to have a, a, a few future NFL receivers. Who cares? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I, we, we, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna surprise a lot of people on Sundays. Yeah, well, yeah. My point was that in in uh, eighteen years from now, how many kids out there are gonna be named after Jalen Hyatt and and Hooker and Heupel now? So, uh, that was your point. That okay, well, I don't. Mm, his, he he's named after someone already. Is it is a Jalen uh, Rose started that one, but. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. After Hooker, yeah, Hooker will be interesting to see after after a while. Because no, I'm just saying. Look how many names. Look how many kids out there are named Peyton in Tennessee, and all over the country because of Peyton Manning. And now, I'm saying is how many kids are going to be called Josh? Uh, that was a joke, by the way, because you'd have to have the last name of, I guess, of all the names. Hyatt would probably be the the most sure. common, but something like you could name your kid Josh Hooker Hyatt. So uh, <laughs> that would be that would be that would be pretty cool. That wouldn't be something that I would want to call someone. But at the same time, we'll see, we'll see, because only time will tell. And yeah. you never know with this with this season and where it's going and. It could be it could be one of those things that you know someone do spare the moment. Yeah, no, there was a lot. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of babies born nine months from now. I can tell you that much. <laughs> Charlie, so Bryce uh, Bryce Young comes in, and you got to give the young man all the credit in the world. He is a phenomenal, phenomenal quarterback and athlete. 
Yes, he is. And, uh, I, I mean, you know, he's a, he's a former Heisman. Heisman winner. Trophy winner from last year. So, I mean, why would you? I mean, you can't underestimate his talents or what his gifts are. And, he, and he, yeah. he's coming back off of entry with a lot to prove, coming into a hostile environment. And he knew it was going to be what it was. And he was built and he was, he was up for the challenge. Yeah, he sure was. So, Tennessee's down seven. Tennessee goes down the field. We throw a ball in the end zone. It goes up in the air. We've seen this before against Alabama. They intercept it, return it to the 10-yard line, and you're thinking, oh, my Lord. Oh, no, this is not happening. This can't happen. I'm done with the moral victories, this and that. I know this team can beat this team. I know it. I just I can't believe this. And then in the corner of the screen, you see a flag, and I'm like, "What? <laughs> you got to be kidding me!" And it, hey, as much as Alabama has complained about refereeing this and that, they need to watch the game, by the way, and, and see all the missed calls and all the calls that went from other for both teams. But he he completely wrapped him. There was no way around it. That was a complete pass interference. Oh, no doubt about it. Everyone saw it. It was no, it was no argument with it. I mean, it was just the fact that it was Alabama doing it once again without, I mean, a call being made against them. Yeah. That's all. I mean, they, yeah. they, they get away with a lot of things. They always have. But at the same time, we're not complaining. We played a game and we went down the field and yeah. we scored and, I mean, we won. And then he threw to some guy named Jalen Hyatt. <laughs> the fifth touchdown of the game. I mean, I still just don't know what to say about that. Hyatt was he was in, he was on the deep ball. He was on on the short pass. But let's get to the end of the game. Bryce Young takes Bama down the field. Obviously, uh, with Nick Saban's help and Bill O'Brien's help, they go down the field, and Bryce Young puts Bama in a position to win the game. Now, my question to you is. Why didn't Alabama – you just didn't hardly see them run the ball. I mean, they did here and there, but they were mostly – with Gibbs, they were going with – in the flats. They were throwing screen passes in the flats, most that I saw. Why – you got a guy like Gibbs that is a very, very talented player. That's an underest, That's an understatement. The transfer from Georgia Tech. Why don't you think that – why do you think that – Alabama inside at the time you're inside the 35 yard line with the 32 I think why aren't they why aren't they trying to run the ball I I, I, I don't understand that well, that's just the offensive coordinator trying to do too much the same way Marshawn Lynch didn't get the ball in the Super Bowl yeah. on the one yard line yeah. I mean you're just trying to do too much so I don't understand that from that perspective why would you even not try to hand them off the ball yeah but that's what they were able. That's what they wanted to do. That's what they tried to do. But I, I don't believe they felt as though they could run the ball on us. Yeah, I don't believe it at all, especially between the tackles. So that's why they were trying to get him out in space, which he did have some effective runs eventually. But you no, know, for the for the most part, I thought I thought our run defense, our run support was superior, and they felt that as well. So they just want to try to expose us in the passing game and take talent, take advantage of the Bryce uh, Young's talented arm. So that's tipping the hat more to the offense, to the defensive line than really anything. The fact, and, and Charlie too, 
how long has it been since we had a defensive line that really made people wonder what's going on? That goes to Rodney Garner right there. The longtime Tennessee assistant coach goes to Auburn. The man is a defensive line whisperer. He, that was the whole problem, Charlie, for years. We under the the McDooley, I call it McDooley, under the 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 clown years, that we could not develop players. Butch Jones had all this talent. Alvin Kamara, Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs, from what I understand, didn't even have a quarterback coach while he was there. The offensive coordinator was the quarterback coach. Uh, just on and on and on. There was no player development. There was here and there, but there wasn't to the level. And then you see like a shy Tuttle that doesn't do a lot at Tennessee, does okay, but then goes to the NFL and is having a great NFL career. So it's not, it's not the players. It's not the level of talent that we were getting. It was the development of the players. It was, I've talked to former players that were on Coach Jones's teams and Dewey's teams, especially Jones's, during practice, there'd be so many times when they're just standing around and listening to Jones go on and on through a bullhorn and try to make it this big thing instead of developing players. And that's now what we've got with Heupel and with what we've got with Garner and, and, and Grinch. Grinch, excuse me, Golish. I knew I was going to say that. Golish, um, brilliant offensive coordinator mind. Um, but that's what we're getting now, Charlie. We're getting player development like when you were at Tennessee. They're they're developing this talent. They're not just letting it sit there and just kind of do what it does. They're actually developing these players. And that's important that you have a, a guy that, that understands. Excuse, like I said, we had Coach Cutcliffe, and he was our offensive coordinator, but he was also the quarterback coach. Yeah. So I mean, we we I mean, we didn't have a a, a separate thing there. A like, brilliant mind, now, but I get, but I get it, but I get it. But Coach Cutcliffe was already built to develop quarterbacks and be an offensive minded coach mm-hmm. at the same time, and that's why he was able to get the guys to to play the way they did, like Peyton, mm-hmm. like Eli. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. Other guys, <laughs> yeah, few other guys, man. Daniel Jones. I mean, yeah. he had those guys the play, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he put them out there. Yeah. So Cutcliffe was nice at developing, like he, he he's been. So, like you said, you get these coaches in there that's able to relate to these guys, and these guys want to go perform for them. And then their then their talents take over because they understand what you're asking them to do. If you have those guys out there thinking. Yes, trying to understand what they what you want yeah. them to do, then they they gonna underperform. But if they understand what you want from them, then they kind of take over. Yep, and you hit it right on the head with Jeremy Pruitt, brilliant mind, brilliant assistant coach. He's not a head coach, brilliant assistant coach. But he, I've talked to people that were on his team. They would they didn't understand. To a degree, there was too many things. Okay, if this player is shaded here, if I have this guy here, then you've got this. And if I've got this here, then I've got this, then I've got this. And then if this guy's over here, I got this. It it was so much to take in that they're they weren't able, like you said, if you're thinking out there, you're 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 missing out because you're not that's that's what freshmen and sophomores do. 
juniors and seniors. No, 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 no. You really, those guys shouldn't do that as well. It's a reactionary thing that uh-huh. football players are not thinking. Right. No, no, no. You, you think what you think. You think what you because you're processing what you're seeing, mm-hmm. but you're not thinking because you you don't understand what you're mm-hmm. seeing. You're processing what you're seeing. So you want to take full advantage of your opportunity. You want to understand that we need to get out of this situation, get a timeout because we're not equipped to handle this situation. Right, yes. So, yeah. yeah, 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 no doubt about it, whether it be offensively or defensively. Yeah. Well, at the same time, man, no, you should be equipped because the details have already, you've already been prepared. No, that's... And if that's... they're going to put you out there, if they're going to put you out there, then they're depending on you. Yeah, that's a great point. You're yeah, right. Yeah, the yeah. The coaches hold you accountable because, therefore, you still got a scholarship. But then, if you if they're not if you're not winning, then they're gone. But you still have a scholarship, so it goes both ways. I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you come from, we'll say, in high school, you ran a a four three, and you come into a defense that runs gap control that's a three four. It's a completely different philosophy as far as everything, almost. Um, it's it's more about 3-4 is about your linebackers making plays and you're controlling the gap as a defensive lineman. With the 4-3, uh, it's, more, it's more about kind of one-on-one matchups. It's about uh, giving the opportunity for some of the big guys to make plays. And so it, that's what I'm trying to say is when when you come into a into a coaching philosophy of, of a defensive philosophy and you're new to it, you're going to learn. But once you've been there for a while, that's why it's so important to to keep a coach in there for a while, give him four years with his players because. He's got to give these guys an understanding of years after he's been there to where they're no longer thinking. They're just out there, like you said, they're reacting instead of thinking. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's any coach's dream. Yeah. That's any coach's dream, and that's any player's dream as well because then, then it allows your talent to flow, and you have an understanding, and therefore you can grow, and then you and then you just become a unit because everybody has a, a, a role in that unit, and they understand what the coach is asking. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm saying. You're making adjustments on the fly. You call the audibles when you see something yeah. differently, and they, they adjust to they the, the running back splits out and go five wide. Then you make your adjustment because you had a run defense call. Now you make your adjustment. You call it a zone, or you Mm-hmm. You running a, a weak side zone blitz or something to get some pressure on the quarterback. Now I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what what what, what these guys are, were were able to do, but it seems that's what they were able to do. Yeah. See, they, they don't doing exactly what I'm saying, and it's been fun to watch. Yeah, it really has. You see, Bama then set up for a field goal, and. For whatever reason, Riker, their kicker, has been off here lately. He was automatic for years. He's been off here lately. He's pushing the ball to the right, and we will take that. He misses. Tennessee gets the ball back with, was it 15 seconds to go? Most people inside their own, right around the 30, they would sit on the ball and go into overtime. No, not Tennessee, not Hooker, not this offense. He he gets the ball in 13 seconds from the 30 in two throws down down to th- their 30 30 what ended up being a 40 yarder so 
they got it down to the excuse me they got it down to the 23 yard line for a 17 yard field goal they got it from the 30 of of their own f- football field and got it all the way down to the 23 in in 13 seconds on two plays that is incredible that's that's that's, that's more than incredible because it was on Alabama yeah, the stout defense that people you know have perennial national title, SEC championship hopes to. Mm-hmm. Heck yeah, that was impressive what we were able to do in a short amount of time. That shows you what we believe that we can do as an offense, and, and and no one's unbeatable. And we feel like we can beat anyone on any given day. And I just think our opportunities now. I agree with that. You I absolutely do. You line up. I mean, I'm watching this just a quarter of a mile away from the stadium at at, at a bar, at a bye, if we were in Boston. Uh, we're, we're watching the game. I'm with – and I talked to you before about a former teammate of yours, Sean Summers. He's – I mean, I'm sitting there with his stepson, which is there's no chance of that happening. We just talked about that the other day. He's there. We're all huddled up. It's so beautiful. That ball goes through that goalpost. And I'm telling you what, it was, I don't know if I'll ever feel that that excited about a ball game again. I mean, the thing about sports is, Charlie, and you know this, is you take years of frustration, pain, all these things, Leaving the stadium, watching Tennessee lose, watching us lose eight games in a season until 2017. Did you know, Charlie, that Ohio State and Tennessee were the only two schools to never lose more than seven games in a season? Yeah, I knew. I knew because then, I mean, there you Ohio go. State always put teams in. I mean, players in the NFL, and we were battling on that list at one point. You got to be able to put guys in the NFL, develop that talent, you, and you're right. to win ball games in college. I, I, that's the point blank truth. But I mean, all that pain, Charlie. After you leave, and uh, we'll say, so you left in '93. So 14 years later, Tennessee goes from a blue blood at, at the time we were within, I don't know how many games of Alabama. It was in the single digits as far as wins go against Alabama uh, wins losses. We go. And now 15 years later, how many coaches, how many different people trying to lead the program, how many people, the, the Mike Hamilton's, I can't stand the man for what he did, but he was a heck of a, I mean, he could raise money. He just could not run a program. (laughs) He could raise money, money, but guess what? You could not run a program. That's what you got to do. You got to be a CEO, man. A lot of guys can't don't understand. That's head coaches as well. That's what Pruitt didn't understand. But I mean, at at the same time, it's a great man. Like you said, very, very qualified coach. You run an organization, a business. Now you got to be ahead of everything, rather than just you know say one side of the ball or one one, one particular yep. position on the on, on the field, and, and, and it takes a little bit more. So, Charlie, that ball, the kick, McGrath, Chase McGrath, transfer, and by the way, I forgot to mention Brew McCoy making the catch on the twenty three yard line. Has he not been absolutely phenomenal? He was acquisition. 
huge acquisition. And it's been a benefit for both of us because I watched a young kid when he was at Texas and then he, he, he went to USC. And then I, I always thought he was a talented kid. So I was looking forward to seeing his acquisition to, you know, putting that T on his helmet and going out there with us. And he's been, no doubt, not surprising, just just been his talent that he's always been and he's playing up to his ability. He's having fun in his shows. Chase McGrath, Charlie, Chase McGrath lines up for the kick. They they call the timeout. I'm building drama here. They call the timeout. They try to ice him. Everybody and their mother stays away from the kicker. Nobody talks to the kicker during this stuff because you just, you just don't. They come back on the field. We're standing there watching just down the street from the stadium. Uh, the the stadium, the the country is watching at this point. The snap, Alabama gets a jump. They get through like I, this, folks. This is Alabama. <laughs> They've got how many five stars on this football team? They run. They they stunt. I don't even think it was a stunt. I think it was just straight up. That's how good these kids are. They jump the snap. They go over. Over the over our offensive lineman, and they get a finger on that ball, and it knuckles and goes over the goalpost. And I mean, I'm gonna tell you, man, I don't know if I'll ever ever feel the way I felt when that ball went through that goalpost. I, I when, when I saw the way the trajectory changed on it. It was. I was like, "What well, did he just? And please carry over. Please carry over." He had enough kick on it, enough power on it for it to power through that little finger and, and just get over that line. By by, I guess it was about seven, eight yards. I don't even care if he cleared by one. Oh it no, was, he no, no, he got it. He got it by maybe two yards, and I don't even two, think it was, was that. It I knew it was it, close. Oh, was it wasn't even. Bro, let me tell you something, brother. It wasn't even. Ooh. I haven't seen a picture from that angle, so Ooh. I don't know how tight it was, but I knew it was close. Oh, it close ain't even a word. It. it was, you know what? It was totally elation. Oh. That ball goes over that goalpost, and I mean, I, I just, I'll never forget that feeling. Never forget that. That was the most incredible feeling and experience. And there is a video on TikTok right now of where CBS is going off air and the way Sterling Hinton has been on the show, the way Sterl the Pearl, the DJ, plays quarterback. Yes, sir. Plays that music. It's got an echo to it. And I'll never forget that sound because I've got it now on TikTok. And it's like that echo is like mountain moonlight. And I mean, it, there's an echo in the stadium. Make a little love it. And you're seeing all the, you're seeing all that orange and the goalpost is coming down. I mean, it is poetic at its finest. It's poetry in motion at that point. And it, it, it's, totally, it's totally orange. And I mean, the, the 
the pyromaniacs had it already set up because it was already predicted what we were going to do, and it was perfect time. Yeah. Did you see the orange in those fireworks? <laughs> yeah. It was incredible. It was dynamite. I seen I seen one of the pictures when they were exploding and, and then the field and then the fans. So it, I mean, it just went in simultaneously. It just, it just was harmonious. It just, it just looked perfect. It looked right. And and I know what you're saying. If you were in that moment, that moment means something to you. But man, I tell you, I've talked to a lot of people that have been to a lot of ball games, and we hit one twenty five point four on the decibel meter. It was a small earthquake, from my knowledge. It's the second time, yes sir, in the yes sir, in the second time in my knowledge I've ever heard this. The other was nineteen eighty eight seven to six. LSU beat Auburn in 1988, and it registered on the Richter scale. That's the only two times I've ever heard that happen. And that's 125.4 on the decimal. I've seen that posted somewhere. I mean, i seen me push the decimal when I was just laughing. And now you're going to see it registered on the Richter scale. It did, man. Pandemonium. That's exciting. I, I don't even know what that sounds like. I would love to have been there. Oh, I mean, the, I, I guess you. I guess you. I guess you made your point when you said that. Well, the game ends, and I go out there, and I mean, I'm just nuts at this point. We beat Alabama! Oh my God! I mean, I didn't. I mean, it was just incredible. I had a license to be a nut, and I went out there. And I grabbed my cigar and I started smoking it. I took that first puff and I about puked because I don't smoke cigars. And somebody said, that was a great choice. And I haven't told them yet that like, choice, I don't smoke cigars. That was a, I threw a dart in the dark. Um, I didn't know what I was smoking. And well, what was it? Uh, a Cohiba? I'm not sure it was. A, uh, hey, Charlie, I know, I know this though. It was a victory cigar. Hey, hey, man. Well, okay, okay, okay. What style of cut was it then? Was it a torpedo? Uh, was it? I couldn't tell you, brother. I really, oh, I man. couldn't tell you, man. You know, I like a good cigar. So yeah, I was going. I'm on my ass. <laughs> you got the same time. Yeah, I don't even. I, 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 I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to enjoy that. I'll look at the. Um, I'll look at the picture that I took where where I took the picture of the table. And it's in the cigar sitting there. Maybe I'll be able to, I'll see it then. But I had no idea. And I'm sucking on that thing and smoking it. And the Bama fans start rolling out and start cussing me and all this stuff. And, and, uh, it was, I was just in, I was, I was really Tony Soprano right then. It was just, I was in heaven. Uh, yeah, yeah, well. Mm, mm, mm. So, <laughs> I, I missed that. I missed that. I missed that. Can you repeat what you said? Because I couldn't hear. My phone was breaking. Up. No, I'm saying I was like Tony Soprano from The Sopranos smoking that cigar. Oh. I mean, it was just pure. I mean, there's not even, you said it earlier, there's not words in the English language for what that feeling was like. And well, like then, I said, I mean, because I don't, I don't, like, I wish I was there. I start making my way up Cumberland, and I keep asking people, I'm like, did they get the goalposts? Did they get the goalposts? And they're like, yeah, they got them both. I'm like, oh, my Lord. Then all of a sudden, man, it took a little bit, but all of a sudden, I see them coming down. 
and I got to touch the goalpost. I actually went with them. I've got it on video. I went with them down to the river. We went under the under. We went under the under the overpass. Excuse me. Went went under the overpass. Made a left, like going towards uh, the baseball stadium. I think I couldn't remember at that time, but we made a left. Go down into down into uh, down into some. I'll call it right now a holler almost. But go down into going towards the river. We get to the river and they throw it in the river. And I mean, it was electric. I mean, I got to experience at 44 years old. I was with college kids. Getting there was other people that were around my age and maybe some older and some younger. So you want to believe? Oh man, I'm telling <laughs> you. And, and let me tell you something too. You, you've I, I hope you've listened to some of my stuff. I, I want to say this, and I hope people listen to this and really take this into account. We were sports unifies people. There wasn't, there wasn't white people. There wasn't black people. There wasn't any people. There were orange people. There were people wearing Tennessee orange, and it was. And and I say that, and and I mean it in the right way. I know these days everything can be taken out of context. I'm saying that sports is a unifier and I, we were high-fiving man and that's what that's what life's about. It's it's about unifying people and bringing people that normally may not hang out with each other, bring them together. All people. It didn't matter. We were united as Tennessee fans. And I say that and I hope it came across the right way because I want people I, I I love the fact that we were just we were a community and a fan base united. It wasn't there wasn't and and another thing there wasn't there wasn't political things there wasn't religious things there were just Tennessee fans and and I hope I put that the right way because I mean it the right way is the fact is that, I, get, I get your point of view I get your point of view you, you ex military so you understand the concept sports I is mean, a unifier well, well, Charlie we, we, we all have to we all have to get together in order to make that succeed and that's what we did as fans and, and, and as a and collectively on the football field that's what we did I mean absolutely the fans were, were, were a distraction for that for that offense out there and, and was motivation to all to, to all to be to, to be winners and yeah absolutely so I, we, we we get that we know we understand that's what that's what makes us one family that's what saying gives give my all I'm a all that's what we want to do that's what we are and that's 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 our nature that's what we do I mean we volunteers well yeah man it's it is something that I mean I I I've, I'm telling you man I'll be on my if if I'm God willing and I'm able to have one a deathbed I I will tell you that that game will come in my mind for whatever period of time because that was one of the most epic moments of my life and I'm not even joking it was just. It was, well, I just, I just hope you know we, 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 we put that on preserve a little while because I feel as though we got two more, maybe three, four more epic moments. Oh, year. definitely. So I, I, don't, I don't, so I don't want you to just you know feel as though that that'll be the last that you. No, have. no, 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 no. I think, no, I think, no, I think, no, I think no. the plateau has not been reached, and so we can we can we can go a little further. So just give it a chance. Well, let's put it this way, Charlie. It's like in fifteen years you hadn't had steak. 
and and taters and cheesecake. And then 15 years later, dad comes home, opens up the door, and he's got steak, a ribeye steak with a baked potato and cheesecake and whatever your favorite drink is. And that's what that felt like to me. So, well, so, so from that perspective, I can see how that might feel good to you. Because I, I would rather, I would prefer, you know, maybe some 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 seafood over over that. <laughs> <I, laughs> that's what I would prefer. But yeah, I can see. Uh, I can Northeast see Virginia that. coming out in you, Charlie. <laughs> yeah, gotta go on up there and get some some uh, old bay sauce or something. Oh man, Charlie, uh, real quick, we we'll break it down here get you out of here but going over things tennessee 567 bama 569 not the fact that we were well over 1100 yards the fact is it was so close uh passing yards tennessee 385 bama 455 hooker had 385 young with 455 Rushing yards, we had them by 182 to 114. And the history of Tennessee football, when Tennessee rushes for over 100 yards, we're almost unstoppable. Oh, yeah, and that's been our trait. And we know that. And we, we know that as a unit. We knew that then. But when we put, when we, we, we who's able to, who's ever been able to, in the SEC period, who's ever been able to control the game on the ground? That means you, you control the line of scrimmage. So you're going to have a greater chance at winning that ball game. And that's what we want to do. That's what we want to establish each and every game. And that's what I hope my guys continue to do. And that's what they've been able to do so far. You're right about that. Did you know we played now three SEC games and we've punted three times. That's an amazing stat. No, I did not know that. Which, which we, we should all be proud of because we're putting something out there that's that's pretty much scary and unstoppable. And that, that don't that, that matter who's out there, what defense of coordinator, or uh, how many five stars you have on your defense right now. From what we're looking at, we, we're able to put points on the board. And you know what else is what else is special? The fact is, fumbles lost. One, Bama had one. They didn't throw any interceptions. We threw one. There was two turnovers. They got us. They got us by one in the turnover margin. Hundred yard rushing, turnover margin. You're going to win most ball games. Oh, pretty much everything. You take those odds going into every game, but you want to be more solid in, 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 in being able to protect the ball, especially being at home. True. With, 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 with not having the you know the crowd noise in your ears, so you yeah. want to be more productive from that standpoint. But at the same time, you know we 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 take those numbers and, and, and when we won, we were able to get a last possession, and that's what you know that boils down to a last possession. And it was it was, it was our benefit, and we were able to kick a field goal. And I mean, by the slightest of margins, no doubt, but we'll take it. Time of possession, I've I've watched football since it seems like it come out of the womb. I've never in my life ever seen this. We put up 52 points. Charlie, did you know we had the ball for 22 minutes and 31 seconds? Well, that's, well, that's, 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 that's incredible. Un, that's unheard of. That's unheard of. I mean, wow. 
they put up those numbers. They put up those numbers. I, I've never been involved in an offense like that, but I still would have probably wanted to be a part of it. Oh, I know you would. So fun and so exciting because I mean the numbers are still there. But you know, I've been I'm old school, so I, you know I like a ball control offense with play action. They go up top. I got and you. Then we all get our yards. But now you know I'm seeing this offense. I, I may want to play them. Yeah. Um, they had 37-29, so they had us by uh, 14-58. Good math on that one. Uh, 14-58 in time of possession. I, I, it may be the greatest despairing – I don't even know – Charlie, I don't even know how to put it into words. We we had the ball for 22-31, put up 52 points. They had it for 37 minutes, and we beat them by three. I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. Well, I know. I mean, that's just our big play potential, though, and that's what we were able to do, and that's what we were doing. And that just goes to our credibility of being able to go up top and make the catch and make the catch and the throw. I mean, I mean, they... Our running game was sucking them up a little bit, so therefore they were biting on the passing game and leaving up wide open lanes, and Hooker was able to take advantage of that and, and make the throw when we were making the catches. Yeah, well, oh, what what else is to be said? Uh, I know I said I wasn't going to keep you long. I've kept you very long, over an hour, but it was so much fun. Um, I got to say, Charlie, Tennessee Martin comes in. They're 4-2. Obviously, you got to take care of your business. You can't, you can't mess around and and just think you're going to win. But I think Tennessee will definitely handle business, and we'll uh, we'll talk about next week when you come back on. We'll talk about we'll preview Kentucky, uh, a good top twenty five team that's coming into Knoxville, and it's it's not going to be a pushover you're going to have to play football and we should get Cedric Tillman back then too oh yeah I look forward to that but like I said we're not going to skip Tennessee Martin we're going to be efficient come out play productive pray no one you know gets hurt during that game it should be a stack game the guys have a great time and, and look forward to getting healthy and being healthy and, and preparing for Kentucky and, and, and having a great time at home again and bringing the crowd noise and, and, and really just showing Kentucky that we've always been Tennessee. Yes, sir. Charlie, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the first episode of 30 for Tennessee. I came up with that name, by the way. What do you think of that? <laughs> No, no, I mean, I like it, man. It's kind of cute. It's kind of cute, all right. No, it's kind of cute, no, 30 for Tennessee. There you go. But I I always like when, you know, when I I saw the magazine, what was the Street Smiths back in the day, they said instant offense. So, you know, I was like, yeah, I I like that. I like instant offense better than what you just said. Okay, well, then we'll change it to the instant offense show with Charlie Garner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're killing me here, Charlie. Um, hey, Charlie, thank you so much for for being a part of your show and being a part of the podcast. And we're growing and getting to people, giving people an idea now to understand how how much you care about Tennessee. We're going to talk about your time in each episode at Tennessee here and there, talk about stories. We've got so many stories. The Super Bowl that you played in against Tampa Bay. Talk about your oh, yeah, career. I got stories. Yeah, I got stories about being on Cumberland before the Vandy game. Yeah, yeah. So one, one of the fans told him. 
Oh wow! Yeah, Phil, Phil was mad at me. I bet yeah, he was. How about we? How about we do that one? We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that one before the Vanderbilt game. Yeah, yeah, okay. We'll go. I'll, I'll let you go now. Hey, Charlie, hang on the line here, buddy. I'm going to sign off and uh, let everybody know. Thanks everybody for listening for Thirty for Tennessee with Charlie Garner. I'm Jason E. Jones on the Jason E. Jones podcast, sponsored by Century Fire Protection. For all your fire protection needs, call Adam Kruskowskis, serving the Southeastern United States. Four two three eight nine nine seven four three four four two three eight nine nine seven four three four. I'm Jason E. Jones. We'll talk to y'all next time. Have a great day, morning, noon, night, whenever. Anyway, and go USA and go Vols.